Welcome back to Learning from a Layman. I'm Carl Christensen. I'm back with Matt and Tim El Guapo Cox. CC. Mucho Guapo. <laughs> uh, the uh, subject of today's podcast will be the Spanish language. And uh, we have... Tim, can I call you an expert? You sure can. You can call me lots of things if it's a long And I do. And I do. Um, (laughs) No, but Tim has a lot of experience with Spanish, not uh, not the least of which is he's actually a a teacher, which I think mentioned before in in this podcast. He teaches Spanish language to uh, an eager uh, crowd. I am as eager as those seventh graders can be. Um, (laughs) Some more than others. (laughs) <laughs> but uh yeah tim speaks uh well i can't actually grade your spanish tim but i get the impression it's pretty good and um and so tim's going to walk us through a little bit of the spanish language today tim so tell us a little bit about spanish and why uh you know what makes spanish spanish okay so first of all spanish is an amazing and awesome language and you should learn it um if you don't know it already and I'll, I'll just start off with some good news for you. If you are listening to this podcast, you are likely an English speaker. And <laughs> Spanish is one of the easiest languages for an English speaker to learn. And so um, if, you're, if you're picking a language to dabble in, then why not start with Spanish? And I'll talk about some of the reasons why it's a relatively e- easy language. I'll just um, mention that my dad, who speaks uh, two different they call them dialects of Chinese, but it's two different languages of Chinese, Mandarin and Cantonese. Um, he lived in Arizona for 25 years, and during that time, he, he started studying Spanish, and he was just distraught at how easy it was because there were so many um, cognates and similarities. <laughs> He's like, he was like, this is cheating. This doesn't even count as studying. <laughs> the cognates, by the way, are words that in two languages look or sound similar generally because they are are related in some way. Yeah, so I maybe you're going to handle this later, but the reason that there are so many cognates between English and, and Spanish, Tim? Oh, right. well, so let's, uh, let's start from the very beginning. All right, um, rule, reason number one why Spanish and English are so similar and why you should start learning a second language or third by learning Spanish is because they are, as far as world languages go, they are pretty closely related uh, in the language family tree. Um, uh, so all languages develop over time. And so you get over the course of centuries and millennia, um, your languages will diverge and become different languages. Um, Spanish comes from Latin along with other uh, Romance languages, like French, Romanian, Italian, Portuguese, and a handful of other um, minor uh, Romance languages. Anyways, um, English comes from the Germanic family, along with German and Norwegian, Dutch, and a, a handful of others. Um, both the Spanish and the, excuse me, both the Ro- Romance and the Germanic languages are descended from a common language ancestor thousands of years ago that, uh, you know, scholars call it Proto-Indo-European. 
And so they group all of these languages together because after much study over the course of centuries, um, linguists have been able to kind of um, figure out how language change works and thus um, kind of reverse engineer how uh, dozens and actually hundreds of different languages and dialects um, all developed from, um, or, or at least in this language family, all developed from a hypothetical original language that is prehistoric, goes back before we have any written records. Uh, anyways, this means that um, languages from as far east as India, like um, you know Hindi and Sanskrit, and languages originating as far west as Welsh and Irish, Gaelic, um, are all related and come from the same origin. Um, and because they're related, a lot of the words um, sound the same. For example, the word for mother across all these Indo-European languages is um, sounds similar, something along the lines of matar or mother in Spanish, madre. So you get a word like madre in Spanish and mother in English, and you see they both start with an M. They both have a, a, a dental or um, type language uh, sound in the middle. And so just to clarify, a dental is a sound made when your tongue is pressed against your teeth. That's right. Yeah. And, and something so you want something to, to do with your teeth. Non-layman about it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, so uh, and anyways, and it was words like that that scholars started to say, wait a second. And um, th these are too many similarities to be coincidence. And uh, it was true. Um, now, there are other reasons why we have cognates, but we, we can, we've established quite clearly that um, a lot of these cognates are because um, thousands of years ago, our combined ling common linguistic ancestors were all speaking the same language. Um, so uh, that's enough of that for now. Maybe someday we can do a podcast on Indo-European family because it's kind of fun. If you want to have good linguistic fun, go to Google, do an image search for Indo-European language tree and look at like a, a family tree of languages. How I think the number of number of people that are looking to have a good uh, fun linguistic time, Tim, is uh, only slightly lower than the number of people that are listening still. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, I, I'm a junior high school teacher, so I'm ever the eternal optimist that when I tell people to do things, they'll actually do them. Yeah. <laughs> Despite so, all the evidence to the contrary. That's right. So question on that. Uh, you mentioned the Proto-European language date back, that dates back thousands of years. Uh, you know, some people kind of like me who have a very passing understanding of the roots of languages. Um, you know, I, I look at things as being based on some of those classical languages like Greek or Latin. Uh, based on what you're saying, are those ancient languages themselves, Greek and Latin, would they be descended from that Proto-Indo-European uh, language? Yes. And, um, and, and so... Yeah, Greek, there's actually a Greek branch, the Hellenic branch on that tree, and then the, the Latin branch, the, you know, the Romance branch on that tree. And they are, you know, well, they are closer together, for example, than they are to, say, the, the Sanskrit branch, you know, which, and, and also um, uh, along that line, 
the uh, Farsi or or a Persian branch of that tree. So, um, but anyways, yeah, the, those are other branches on the tree. Um, you'll you'll note there are some, you know, oh, there's a Slavic branch, um, and then there are there are languages that are not part of that family. Um, Arabic, for example, is uh, has its own is in its own family along with other related languages like Hebrew. Um, you know, the languages of China have their own uh, branch and so forth. Uh, Polynesian and Austronesian languages have their own branch. Uh, or their own, excuse me, not branch, I'm sorry, their own tree. They are, we, there's no uh, linguistic connection that we can establish. Um, if there is, it, it's too far back for us to, to know. Now, uh, keep in mind that a lot of similarities, for example, between Greek and Latin would be not because of, um, of inherited, you know, words that are similar, but because of borrowing. So, for example, the Romans borrowed a whole lot of stuff from the Greeks, and that would have included a lot of words. Um, you even get funny cases in, in that where you get uh, words that there's a, an inherited cognate that descended from the same source, and, um, and then there's a borrowed, um, a borrowed version that um, I'll give you an example with English and Latin. Um, in English, we have the word poor which uh, actually came to us through French, uh, another story there for another day. But um, then we borrowed the um, linguistic ancestor of poor from Latin, popper. And so now we have these two words in, uh, in our language, which both actually come from the same root, but came through different avenues into our language and get used in different ways. You know, a popper is someone who is poor. Um, anyways, so let's get back to Spanish. Um, so Spanish is one, one, one of the descendants of Latin. So uh, go back to, you know, I don't know, uh, 400 B.C. Um, you, you would have had the people in uh, around Rome speaking Latin, a pretty unified language as the Roman Empire expands and spreads out its influence spreads more people are speaking latin in farther farther flung uh areas and eventually the roman empire as you probably know from history lessons covers you know you know the entire mediterranean basin area and stretching out even further um so at this point uh over the course of hundreds of years uh the people speaking latin in iberica or whatever they called it i don't know but the Spanish, the Iberian Peninsula, which later, you know, now is Spain, uh, their Latin started to sound a bit different than the Latin of people in Italy, which sound a bit different than the Latin of the people in Gaul, you know, France, and so forth. And, and then eventually the Roman Empire dissolved and all those areas continued to develop on their own. And now, you know, more than a thousand years later, we have these areas where the, the language of Latin has diverged so completely that uh, speakers of Spanish, for example, have no chance of understanding speakers of French. And speakers of French are not going to understand speakers of Spanish. Though and, it might, the, the more recent uh, diversion of, of languages, so when languages are no longer mutually intelligible, um, 
does make it uh, easier to learn that that as uh, other language as a second language. So it would be easier to learn French as a second language with uh, Spanish as your first language than to learn some language that is, you know, uh, you know uh, a thousand years ago uh, split off and became uh, its own its own language. Absolutely. Yeah. And and you can look at a kind of a language family tree like the ones I was mentioning earlier and roughly estimate how difficult a language would be to learn by looking at how close the languages are on the on the family tree. And, and again, that's a real rough estimate. But for example, yeah, we we would have an easy time of learning Spanish, uh, but a, a French or speaker would have an easier time. An Italian speaker would have an even easier time. Um, and, uh, and then we would have a harder time learning, say, Russian, um, you know, which, which is farther distanced on the tree, and then an even probably harder time learning, say, Sanskrit, um, you know. And then, of course, uh, a much harder time learning, for example, Navajo, uh, which, you know, we, there's no connection that we can be, we are aware of at all. Um, and again, that's a rough estimate, huh? There, there are lots of things that go into language complexity that can make learning any language hard. Certainly. Yeah. Okay. So anyways, where is that? So that puts us at when, when Spanish kind of emerges as its own individual language, which would be in the medieval times. Um, now, other things happen that add color and flavor and divergence to a language. So, for example, around 700 A.D., um, the the Arab explosion and um, so so in in the 8600s I'm not exactly sure of the years but Muhammad founds Islam and the uh, the Arab world begins to expand and Islam with it and uh, you know expands quickly through the Arabian Peninsula out uh, across North Africa and in fact uh, goes all the way across North Africa and across the Strait of Gibraltar into Spain. Um, Gibraltar, in fact, is named after the the general who led the uh, the Arab armies uh, there. It, I think Tariq is his name, so in, in Arabic, and I'm going to butcher this, but uh, Jebel Tariq um, would be Mountain of Tariq. And my apologies to any Arabic speakers out there if I'm saying it wrong, but that, that eventually morphed over time into Gibraltar. Um, and so that's, uh, that's who, where, how those mountains at the very southern tip of Spain got their name. Uh, anyways, uh, they eventually expand all the way into Spain and take over. So for hundreds of centuries, uh, Spain was ruled by um, Arab Muslim rulers, and I believe they were Arab um, I, I suppose there were there were other um, groups uh, that were part of the the uh, expansion of Islam. But anyways, um, they, they were Muslim rulers and they ruled for centuries in Spain uh, speaking Arabic. Now, the the people in in Spain didn't all speak Arabic or didn't all adopt it, but the, the rulers did. And uh, so you have for, for centuries, you have um, Spanish and Arabic. Um, basically coexisting side by side. Um, it, it's interesting to note that this period of Spain's history was kind of a golden era because the, um, 
these Arabic, uh, or excuse me, these Muslim rulers of Spain were, um, they were actually quite tolerant. Um, and so uh, you had this situation where Christians and Muslims and Jews were all living together in this country at peace and, and able to, uh, it became this uh, cultural and intellectual ferment. And so a lot of the you know, great best stuff going on in Europe at the time was going on in Spain. Um, so it was kind of cool. And Arabic, as a result, made a deep impression in Spanish. So a lot of just common words in Spanish have their origins in Arabic. Um, you know, words like shirt, camisa, and I think even shoe, zapato, um, you know, things like that. It, even a, a very common Spanish uh, phrase ojalá, which means hopefully. Um, if you listen closely, you can hear Allah in there, the the, the Arabic word for God. It means God willing. Um, so, anyways, um, uh, Air, Spanish picks up a whole lot of vocabulary and influence from Arabic. Uh, incidentally, uh, a fun little thing to do in, in Spanish, and but you can also do this in in English. If you look for words that start with al, al, um, not always, but a good chance if you find one, it's got an Arabic uh, origin. The al, if I'm not mistaken, it's from the Arabic word for the. So uh, the word for the blank, fill in the blank, gets borrowed into Spanish, but all together, mushed together. So as one example, alcohol. Um, you know, the, and I, I don't know what it would have been. I'm sure it's the word, Arabic word for alcohol. Um, but that's, you know, that's where our word alcohol comes from. Um, I think algebra. Um, anyways, not everywhere that starts with AL, but there's a bunch. Okay, so uh, fast forward a few hundred years and uh, actually more than a few, but into the, the 1400s and we have what's called the Reconquista, the reconquering. And this was when the, the Christians in, in Spain you know, Christian rulers uh, kind of fought back from the north and kind of basically kicked out all of the Muslim rulers. Um, the the final Muslim stronghold in Spain uh, was Granada, which was retaken in a year you might recognize, 1492. So Ferdinand and Isabella had a lot going on. They were, um, you know, funding exploratory voyages, Christopher Columbus. And at the same time, they were waging a, a war to basically um, retake Spain uh, uh, as Christian rulers. And they they succeeded in 1492 at ousting the last Muslim rulers. And, and from, from 1492, Spain has been exclusively ruled by uh, Christian monarchs. Um, but, of course, the, the influence... Of, of Arabic remains in Spanish to this day. Um, okay, I'm sorry, I'm just kind of going off here. No, that's that is uh, the the history of Spanish is very interesting, um, and I think you're. I mean, obviously, we're not even um, up to the point where you know Spanish, Spanish starts becoming um, kind of a uh, Spain starts becoming a uh, a power, and it starts spreading the language across the globe. Um, did you want to touch on that a little bit? But, um, 
sure. talk a little bit about how Spanish went from you know being that lo- localized in, in Europe there to becoming one of the world's most uh, you know learned uh, L1s. Okay, yeah. So um, Spain had the good fortune of uh, being in second place at the right time. And I'm I'm not super well versed on this history, so I'm I'm hoping I get my details right. You might want to double check me, but I think the gist of it is true. So there, um, the they call it the age of exploration, right? And and at, at this point, it, there's a whole lot of reasons why uh, European uh, nations at, at this time in our world history were were branching out and pushing out and exploring and colonizing and all these things. But um, the Portuguese, and again, you'll have to fact check me on this, but I think it was Vasco da Gama. um, They were, they were pushing around. So people were trying to find better ways to, to get to the, the, um, to Asia um, and improve trade. Uh, There was a lot of money to be made and the Portuguese were pushing around the the southern tip of africa in vasco da gama i can't remember when he did but sometime it, it was around the same era as columbus but um so i think columbus actually went to the portuguese first they had a reputation for you know seafaring and and all of that and they turned him down i think they were just they had placed their bets elsewhere um so he he goes to spain and they you know to shorten the story, say, why not? And they finance his voyage. Um, at first, Columbus's voyages don't really yield much of what Spain was hoping for, you know, rich trade with, with Asia. Um, eventually, however, the Spaniards are able to loot and, uh, and plunder the um, empires of the Americas, the Aztecs and the Incas uh, in particular, in Mexico and in Peru, and um, and bring back fabulous wealth. They also are able to um, establish mines. Um, I think there were some silver mines in Mexico, especially. But but in any case, it actually uh, causes some volatility in world markets. They they flood the market with silver, and uh, you know cause a, uh, crazy inflation. I don't know a lot of the details. But that, of course, allows Spain, gives Spain a lot of wealth. And of course, um, as they are, uh, um, you know, colonizing and, and taking over all these areas of the Americas, it's, um, it's now an outlet for, for Spanish um, settlement, especially as all the natives are, are obliterated by disease and, and war and such, um, which is its own tragic story. Um, but, but in any case, the, the result is that, um, Spain acquires vast, um, holdings of land stretching from Florida and, um, you know, uh, California and up to Oregon, all, all the way down to the tip of South America. Um, the one hiccup in their plans was, um, the Treaty of Tordesillas in, uh, which Spain and Portugal uh, got into a, a fight over who gets to claim what. And um, Portugal actually initially seemed to come out on top of that because the Pope, they, they went to the Pope to, as an arbiter, um, basically say, okay, you know, you saw this. And he just draws a line. 
um, down the, the map and says, okay, Spain, you get what's on this side. Portugal, you get what's on this side. Um, and it, uh, that ended up with leaving Portugal with some of the lucrative islands in the east in Asia um, and with a little foothold on the western or excuse me, the eastern tip of South America. Um, and that's why Brazil speaks Portuguese and the rest of South America, with a few exceptions, speaks Spanish. Um, it's because of where the Pope drew the line, roughly, you know. Anyways, and, and that's why Spanish is now, uh, as I understand it, the second most spoken um, native language in the world with millions upon millions of speakers. I think, um, well, shoot, I don't know how many, but um, it, I every year I, I you can look that up. students about all the countries, like more than 20 countries that have Spanish as an official language. Um, so yeah, there there you have it, and that's where we we are today. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about I guess countries now that that speak Spanish. Um, you know what uh, what are the most populous ones? What uh, what are the different dialects? Are they all mutually intelligible? Uh, they are all mutually intelligible. Um, the, the, some more than others. Um, okay, so the most populous Spanish-speaking country is Mexico with, I think, over 200 million, though, fact check me. And then uh, you've got some South American countries that are also quite populous, um, Colombia, Peru, and Argentina, probably, uh, I'm guessing, are the, are the biggest there. And then, uh, but you've also got lots of other countries that have millions upon millions of people, Chile, Bolivia, Ecuador, uh, Venezuela has a large population. Uh, you've got, of course, Spain itself. Um, there is one um, uh, colony that Spain established in Africa, um, Equatorial Guinea, uh, which still has, has Spanish as a, a, um, an official language. And then, of course, there are Central American nations, Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, uh, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Panama, and then the Caribbean uh, nations, Cuba, uh, Dominican Republic. And, um, well, I guess Puerto Rico isn't uh, a, a, a sovereign nation, but it's, it's certainly a, a cultural, um, culturally independent uh, island that also speaks Spanish. And that's um, not, uh, not even counting the Spanish-speaking diaspora. You have uh, millions upon millions of Spanish speakers in the United States. In fact, if if we were just to count the speakers of Spanish in the United States, it would probably be one of the most populous Spanish-speaking countries. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Uh, uh, as far as dialects go, um, they're all um, mutually intelligible. Um, From my own experience, I, I speak um, Mexican Spanish um, just because I learned it here in the United States. And, you know, Mexican Spanish is, is dominant here. Um, and, uh, for me, it's hardest to understand, I suppose, some of the Caribbean dialects, um, there's some idiosyncrasies of the, um, but, but they're, they're still certainly mutually intelligible. Um, and each one, uh, each dialect of Spanish has its own fun quirks. Everyone loves to make fun of Spain because, um, in, in American Spanish, all the dialects in the Americas, 
the Z and the C, the soft C, like in city, you know, or in Spanish ciudad, um, are pronounced like an S. But in Spain, those are pronounced like a TH. So they call it the theta. And so although, um, at least in, in a lot of dialects in Spain, there, there are, of course, dialects of Spanish in, in Spain a lot. Um, but in any case, so it, it makes it sound like Spaniards have a lisp, even though they, they don't actually. But um, it's, it's good fun. <laughs> right. I've heard that myself. Um, so Spanish is a language that people study even uh, in college. Um, what are the m- big business usages, I guess, of Spanish? Is it I'm, you're a teacher, but there are, there are people that can get uh, degrees in Spanish and use that for other purposes. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, learning Spanish as far as utility goes, uh, there's a, a few reasons where it might be helpful. One is, um, you know, in the United States, for example, it's it's extremely advantageous to um, know Spanish or to have someone in your business that does, because that allows you to um, bring in basically a new client um, or, or, or customer group. You can you can reach more people. Um, and you can do better, uh, say customer service. If you can, if you can, uh, work with people in English or Spanish. So you'll, and especially, that's especially true, uh, in the Southwest where Spanish has always been, uh, present. Um, and, and that's a point that sometimes I think people forget is that Spanish speakers have been speaking Spanish in the Southwest United States continuously for much longer than anyone's been speaking English around here. Um, I, I sometimes get a little annoyed when people say, you know, speak English. This is America, you know, it, as if, you know, the, the people of New Mexico, say, whose ancestors have been living here for, you know, for <laughs> five centuries, um, you know, as if that doesn't count for anything. But anyways, the bottom line is there's a lot of Spanish speakers. And so that just gives you more more access, more coverage. And although it's historically true of the southwest United States, it is now true pretty much anywhere you go in the United States, um, especially um, cities and urban areas. Uh, I actually learned my Spanish in Tennessee, of all places, um, because there are lots of Spanish speakers in Nashville and in other areas in Tennessee as well. Right. Uh, uh, I'll add to that the international. Um, a lot of Spanish-speaking countries are considered, you know, um, emerging economies, uh, which basically means that um, if, if you're from a business perspective, there's lots of room for growth and opportunity there. Um, a lot of um, Spanish countries, for for various reasons, have suffered, um, you know. For, for centuries under, you know, polit- either political upheaval or economic uh, turmoil. And um, so, so anyways, there's a lot of um, untapped potential and you've got some, some Spanish speaking uh, countries that are, you know, they're, they're developing quite a bit. So, so for a, someone who's looking to develop, say, an international uh, business connection, lots of potential, and lots of possibilities. Yeah. Um, for language learners, so uh, obviously people are using um, lots of different apps and things. Are there ways that you'd recommend learning Spanish? What What are the most effective ways to learn Spanish? Um, sure. So uh, one thing I would recommend is, uh, you, 
so so first of all, improving your English um, your English vocabulary will help you to acquire Spanish. Uh, the reason for that is because so English, if you haven't noticed, it has different layers of um, um, of uh, so for example, there's like your basic everyday layer. Um, so I might say, for example, that the food has a strong flavor. Um, and that's a, you know, that's your, your kind of, the, that's your old Germanic word there, strong. Um, but um, because English has been heavily influenced by Latin, um, both directly through Latin and also through um, French, uh, again, that's another story. But um, we, we have other words like potent, for example. So if I want to sound a bit better educated and classier, I would say, ooh, that food has a potent flavor. Well, there I've got a a, um, a Latin-based word, um, you know, for for strong, basically. But it's like a more elevated, a more educated word. Um, so if I can learn those highly educated words, those scientific words, the words that uh, come from Latin, um, I've got an instant in to those words in Spanish. So, for example, potent, meaning powerful, um, has a Spanish cognate with poder, um, power. And um, so and all I have to do is recognize some basic linguistic uh, connections like how the D and the T are have, are very similar sounds and they have the same point of articulation. And a lot of times what was a T in Latin has become a D in Spanish. Um, so anyways, um, work working on one will improve the other. Um, even if you never become fluent in Spanish, you'll come out of it with a uh, much better English vocabulary. Um, other things I would recommend best bet is to immerse yourself. If you can, uh, find a friend who speaks Spanish and convince them <laughs> to talk to you in Spanish all the time and let you talk to them in broken Spanish all the time, you'll find yourself moving along. Um, you can supplement that kind of thing with apps. You know, there's Duolingo, um, there's tons of resources out there. There's a, a website called quizlet.com. And you can just get on there and basically do a, you know, create a, a free account for yourself and basically do a search and say, you know, um, just look up, you know, Spanish greetings and it'll give you like a vocabulary list and boom, you're on your way with flashcards and games and, and stuff. Um, so, so you don't have to pay out uh, money to, um, to start learning a language. Um, and actually you could probably do even better than what I'm suggesting. Just Google, um, you know, language learning apps or language learning sites and, and see what you come up with. Um, but best bet, find a friend who speaks the language and convince them that you're serious about learning the language and, and you know, basically conscript them as a, as a mentor. <laughs> uh, then start watching your favorite movies in Spanish, listening to the radio in Spanish, and just do a little bit every day. If you, if you just say, I'm not going to devote my life to this, but five minutes a day, I'm going to listen to the radio in Spanish and see what I can understand, or I'm going to do some lessons in Spanish, or I'm going to, every time I talk to my friend, I'm going to start our first, you know, two minutes of conversation and in Spanish and see how I do. So things like that can get you a long ways. Even if you don't become fluent, you might set yourself up for an opportunity. Say you do that for a couple of years and you get yourself kind of a real basic understanding. And then you, um, uh, your work is sending people to um, Argentina for two weeks for a conference or whatever. 
uh, <laughs> I, I wish, <laughs> but mm-hmm. then, then you can go down there and you can kind of take it to the next level as you get an, an immersion opportunity. So yeah, immersion is very important, right? Yeah. So, um, okay, go on. Sorry, go ahead. Say that it can be done without immersion, though it uh, it's it's hard to do that way. I I can think of one person I know who has successfully taught himself a language just through sheer grit and um, and I, I think a bit of uh, of native intelligence, and that's uh, your guys's dad. <laughs> so, it can be done, but uh, can be done. It's difficult for sure. So yeah. Matt, did you have any questions? Uh, no, I think you've answered every question that anyone could possibly have about Spanish and its history. Um, no, I, uh, I, I guess just from your own experience, you know, how easy is it for you now that you've picked up Spanish to understand some of those more closely related languages and which ones in particular are, are easier for you now? Okay, so um, uh, I'll start with the easiest. Portuguese is um, is super closely related to Spanish. It's it's hard to to convey it to an English speaker because there is no um, equivalent. It's um, it's very close. Um, so to to the point where uh, a, a Portuguese speaker would probably be able to understand a lot of what a Spanish speaker is saying, uh, especially if they talk slowly. Um, it's a little harder for Spanish speakers to understand Portuguese, but it, with a little practice and a little learning of, of how Portuguese differs, you, you can actually do pretty well. So Portuguese is um, is the easiest. And and again, there, there's no language that is as close to English as Portuguese is to Spanish. I, I'm confident that if I got dropped in Brazil or Portugal, I wouldn't starve. I'd have a hard time, but I'd probably be able to get my meaning across and, and get the gist of what people were saying. Um, Italian is quite close, though it's not mutually intelligible. I haven't made a, a hard study of that, so I can't say you know how easy it is, but just from having seen cognates and kind of how some of the language works. Um, a, a Spanish speaker, g- going from Spanish to Italian would be a pretty simple trick. I've um, I've dabbled in French a bit. I'm, I'm not even close to fluent, but um, knowing Spanish has helped a ton with that. So um, I'd probably put them in that order. From Spanish, easiest to learn Portuguese, then Italian, then French. Um, I actually don't know about Romanian, where I would line that up. I'm guessing it's harder than Italian or Portuguese. Maybe not as hard as French, though, again, that would be, um, I don't know. Okay. Okay. yeah, I think that's uh, pretty good. Uh, pretty good coverage here, um, Matt. Any final words, Tim? Any final words? No, thank you. Uh, yeah. Well. Final, oh, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead, Tim. I was going to say final words for me would be gracias a todos ustedes por escucharnos y espero que la próxima vez que hablemos estaremos hablando español. I've said I don't sí. like it when you call me that. <laughs> That's right. You estaremos hablando. <laughs> no, I said thank you to all of you for listening, mm. and I hope that the next time we talk, we will be talking in Spanish. <laughs> awesome. Well, that seems a great way to end. Uh, until next time, uh, bonus nachos. Bonus nachos. <laughs>